Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I am your host, Mark Shapiro. Before we get to today's episode, a quick word of thanks to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning. Earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months, or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. My guest in this episode of Explore the Space podcast is Dr. Jasmine Marcellin. Dr. Marcellin is an assistant professor of infectious diseases at the University of Nebraska Medical Center, and she is the associate program director for the UNMC Internal Medicine Residency Program. This is her second time on Explore the Space podcast, and our timing could not have been better. She is here to discuss the newly released, newly approved COVID-19 vaccine. We had scheduled this conversation about a week ago, and just after we scheduled it, Dr. Marcellin let me know that she had been scheduled to get her first injection of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine the morning of the day we recorded, and I subsequently found out the exact same thing. So we actually recorded this discussion about two hours after we had both gotten our first vaccination. So this is incredibly unique and incredibly timely content. Dr. Marcellin brings not only an extraordinary scientific mind, but she has the ability to see and access the concerns, the desires, the fears, and the aspirations of so many. And she shares much of that with us in this discussion. We discuss how to access and move through barriers people may have around the COVID-19 vaccine and critical insights into how to properly center and validate concerns for black Americans and indigenous Americans, people of color in the United States who have unfortunately been subjected to a long history of systemic racism from the profession of medicine, and now have to reconcile that history with this extraordinary new scientific tool designed to help impact populations that have been most dramatically affected by the pandemic. It's an extraordinary tension, and she really does give some important tools to help us navigate this because this is a huge challenge for all of us as a community, as a nation to face. This is the ticket that's going to get us out of the pandemic, but it's only if we can safely and effectively and conscientiously bring everybody into a place where they may not feel comfortable. Dr. Marcellin also shared a wonderful Twitter thread, which I have linked in the show notes about her experience getting the COVID-19 vaccine today. And she talks about that on the episode as well. This is one of the last episodes of 2020. We are coming down the stretch. And I thought that this was just a really timely and important way to help bring 2020 to a close and also help us set the right mindset and lay in the right skills to get ready for 2021 and all that we will be facing and dealing with. A quick reminder before we get to the episode, definitely subscribe to Explore the Space wherever you like to download your shows. Please do email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. 
Please check out the archive of the podcast, www.explorethespaceshow.com. And please do find me on Twitter at ETS Show. It's always a treat to interact with people who are enjoying the show, get feedback, get ideas. It's one of my favorite things. So please do feel free to reach out. And so now, without further ado, Dr. Jasmine Marcellin. Jasmine, welcome back to Explore the Space Podcast. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me back, Mark. It's an interesting day. You and I scheduled this about, what, two weeks ago with the idea yeah. being, hey, let's have a conversation around the COVID-19 vaccine. And then a few days after we'd put it on the schedule, you texted me to say, hey, cool, I'm going to get my vaccine that morning. <laughs> and I said, great. Yeah. And I think that night I texted you back. Well, as it turns out, yeah. so am I. We both just got our <laughs> first round of the Pfizer vaccines this morning. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty awesome. And just being able to have the conversation and then also talk real time about what it was like to get the vaccine and, and leading up to the vaccine. Totally. I think this is in special. Totally. So I got my first round of the Pfizer vaccine two hours ago, two and a half hours ago from right now. Right now, I feel okay. My shoulder's a tiny bit sore. Otherwise, I feel totally fine. We were observed in the room for 15 minutes afterwards, and uh, then we were able to just head home. One of the cool things that happened, we were the first kind of first shift of the morning. So when I got there, the um, they were just setting the room up. When the bag of vaccine vials arrived, everyone looked at it and kind of pointed and said, is that them? And the <laughs> The chief nursing officer was actually there kind of supervising and supporting operations said, yeah, this is them. And everybody just went, ooh, and then we all started cheering. <laughs> That's awesome. So how was it like for you? What, when did you get your vaccination? How do you feel? What is it like? I got mine about an hour ago, and it was not too bad. So look, I'm going to tell you up front, I don't like needles. Fair and valid, I would, totally. I, I, yeah. I don't know if I would consider it to be a phobia per se, but I get nervous about needles. And this has been like for a very long time. So I didn't sleep well last night because yeah. I kept dreaming about the needles. <laughs> oh, <no>. um, <laughs> and then this morning I sat in my car for about 15 minutes before I actually got out to go to the place where we needed to get the vaccines. Uh, I was trying to hype myself up and I think I made myself even more nervous <laughs> by trying to hype myself up. So that was the state of mind that I was walking into that, yeah. recognizing the the importance of what I was about to do and also the fact that I was very, very nervous about the needle. So that, that's, that's, the, <laughs> that's the backdrop. Yeah. But the actual process itself was not it was not too bad. I started filming myself as a way to distract myself from it. So I started talking to the camera and saying, you know, how nervous I was and trying not to look at the nurse behind me that was actually sticking the needle in my <laughs> arm. And yeah. she was very gracious because I told her up front that I was nervous. And so she didn't do the countdown and tell me that there was going to be a poke. And she just kind of did her work yeah. and I felt it. But it was not as bad as some other um, pokes that I have had, like, you know, tetanus shot and, and some of these others as well. So That's great. It, the overall, the experience for somebody who is nervous around needles was really not problematic for me at all. That's great to hear. And you're, what, about an hour and a half or so ago? And do you feel okay? Yeah, I feel I feel fine. Um, my arm doesn't feel too sore right now. I felt maybe a little bit of soreness 
about um, 15 minutes afterwards. But other than that, I am feeling great. That's fantastic. I do think it's important, though, that we again, and I love to do this, and, and it comes up on so many episodes, this idea of juxtaposition. I feel elated right now. I was excited last night. I'm not afraid of needles. I don't like to watch when I get an injection. I, I, I kind of look away. Um, but I, I feel elated. And I think that that sense of elation in and of itself is a gift and a privilege. Hearing you talk about the phobia that you have of needles, which is really common and should not be minimized, it does bring up this idea that in the same time as there's this sense of elation and reflection on the incredible nature of the science that got us to this place and the data that supports the safety of the vaccine that we're using and just how excited so many of us feel that we're that we're here today, there are real barriers to this as well. And it's critical that we are open and honest about the fact that the barriers exist because we're not going to get where we want to be unless we get to that level of population immunization, right? That 75% gold standard that people talk about. If we don't get there, this isn't going to be what we want it to be. How do you sort of put those two things together? That sense of like, wow, I just got a COVID-19 vaccination with the fact that you had to surmount a very common barrier and also understand that there's lots of barriers out there. Yeah, it's the the whole experience is just really bizarre for me and I'm still, you know, we're we're talking right now and I'm still I'm actively processing yeah. all of this all of this yeah. as we speak because this the elation is for me also blunted because I'm I think about my cousin that died. I think about the, you know, 300,000 that have died. I think about all the black and brown people that have died. And I, and then that kind of is, so it's mixed in with some sadness and just, I don't know. I I don't know how to describe what the emotion is that I'm feeling that encompasses all of these things. But the in terms of the barriers, I, I was really thinking last night, I, I was sitting in my bed, and I was laying down and I was having a hard time falling asleep. And I thought I could easily I could I could just back out of it. I could say no. I could I could probably come up with a really altruistic reason for saying, hey, somebody else should get this vaccine because of how nervous I was about the needle. And for others, that might be a reality for them, that they need to jump over a huge barrier in order for them to actually present themselves to the place where they would need to get a vaccine. So how do we make it so that people understand all of the process that goes into the vaccination? Not just that you need the vaccine, but this is, this is what it's going to be like. This is what it's going to feel like compared with maybe other needles that you may have been exposed to if you're afraid of needles, or uh, this is what you should expect to feel afterwards. This is what the pain may feel like compared with other types of pain that you may have. I think that's important, even though it seems kind of like a small thing to do. That might be what someone needs to help them put into perspective what they're about to experience if they have an interest in getting a vaccine, but are afraid of something 
else. So people who are afraid of the actual needle, people who are afraid of yeah. a potential side effect of the discomfort, yeah. these sorts of things. So then what, what we're experiencing, and I think what you and I are trying to do here too, is maintain some level of transparency around that. And I, I feel like on social media, the healthcare workers that have been in this first phase of vaccination to me, and I'm really curious to get your take on this, I think are doing an above average, above expectation job of being transparent about that. But I'm curious, what were your expectations and what are your what is your sense around how we're doing with sharing? What has this experience looked and felt like, you know, a couple of days into it? Yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of folks that I've seen that are sharing logs, um, uh, post-vaccine logs, and um, it, it, even a few days into it or a week into it, how how things are doing for them, and and that's important. Sharing a little bit about the specifics of that day. So, like you went into in the beginning of this this conversation, you went into the specifics of okay, well, you know, they brought me in and then they gave me the shot and. I had to sit down and wait for 15 minutes and those sort of details, which I think are actually also important just for from a logistics standpoint. If you think about individuals who are maybe going into the community and may have to take time off from a job to go get a vaccine yeah, and yeah. what that might mean like for them, what that might mean for them if they have a fuller understanding of, I'm going to need to stay put for 15, 20, 30 minutes afterwards, depending on, you know, when I get my vaccine and what my, um, uh, what answers I give to some of the screening questions that they ask, then I need to build that into my time away from my work. And so, so that actually brought me back to something else about the process. So before I got the vaccine, they, the nurse that was sitting next to me, she asked me a series of questions that had to do with prior vaccine experiences? Have I ever experienced any side effects from vaccines? Do I know if I have any allergies to any of the uh, components of this vaccine? Do I have any current symptoms uh, of COVID-19? Have I had COVID-19 before? And um, all of these questions were screening questions that kind of helped to make a decision of um, whether it is safe to go forward with the vaccine and what are the recommendations for monitoring afterwards. So because I didn't have any history of vaccine adverse effects in the past or allergies to any of the components of the vaccine, then my my waiting period post-vaccine was 15 minutes. Uh, I met a friend who has had some prior adverse effects from but a prior just allergy um, reactions. And so um, that friend had to stay longer and wait for 30 minutes uh, monitoring after getting their vaccine. It's it's a mixed bag. And I think that one of the emerging yeah. lessons is that this transparency is really important. I remember last week, maybe it was two weeks ago, when they first announced that the vaccine had gotten approved and that, you know, we saw the videos of the boxes of vaccines starting to mobilize around the country, thinking to myself, should we be sharing this stuff at all? Is it is it okay? Is it does it sort of smack of privilege? Should we not do it? And then it really felt like, no, this is really important. This is a momentous time. You know, we, we also talk about nature of horror is a vacuum. If we don't talk about it, that vacuum will get filled with something that we don't want. So yeah. we really need to have some control of messaging, whatever it is. Thankfully, thus far, it seems like it's been on balance quite positive. But I, I really do feel like, Jasmine, the more the better, the more transparent we are about what we're experiencing as healthcare professionals who are getting the vaccine. I think that's the for the better. 
Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I actually had the video that was uh, recorded of me getting the vaccine. And I was thinking to myself, well, well, what if what if something happens to me while I'm getting the vaccine? And I said, well, I mean, then, you know, we show that, too, because this is all a part of being transparent. And we can't pretend that vaccines or any sorts of treatments or medications are um, completely free of, of um, side effects. And so it's important for people to understand what they're getting themselves into to make an informed decision one way or another about the vaccine. And in the same way, making sure that they understand how they and their community can benefit from it, which also can become obfuscated and confusing. And it's just I think that we're going to keep getting better. at this. I really like the initial momentum around it. But I also think it is important that we look at the next phases and think about inclusivity in a way that makes it feel like a process that is safe reasonable and accessible for lots of people. And, and one of the, the real opportunities for me to learn more about this has been learning primarily through social media, the experience of the black community in America around vaccines. And I, and I don't even know the right words to describe it because I don't want to assign verbiage that has a negative connotation or is a pejorative. Like I don't like vaccine hesitancy. For me, that feels very weighted. But I also want to make sure that we acknowledge that just like there are people who will look at a needle and say, this is a real barrier for me, that there are communities in America that look at this process and don't have that same sense of elation, don't have that same sense of anticipation. And I wonder if you might be able to just sort of introduce what what that looks like and feels like so we can move through it in a way that really elevates people to a place where they can move forward, like you said, and make the make an informed decision. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a great um, discussion point. the The history of uh, healthcare and medicine in this country is really rooted with structural racism and oppression and betrayal, really, where we're talking about experimentation of medical personnel experimenting on enslaved people and performing uh, performing hysterectomies and then sterilization procedures on indigenous people. And, um, you, you know, this is stuff that is historical, but also contemporary, uh, contemporary. And, and and we're seeing that as a result of living in a in a country in a community where all of the the information and the inputs that you have are showing that uh, there has been betrayal and continues to be betrayal of black and brown communities by medical uh, profession. Suddenly, there is a a vaccine that is meant to be good, but there is a reasonable amount of doubt about where where is this coming from and why after so many years of not looking out for me, how come you're suddenly looking out for me? I'm suspicious. And that is a that is a reality, and we have to confront that. Healthcare and medicine have to be able to say and acknowledge, yeah, you know, we there's really bad things that have happened under our watch, and this is not one of them. This is something that was developed with everybody's health and and safety and lives in mind, 
and we are recognizing that black and brown communities are disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 and this is this vaccine is one of the ways that we can help to reduce that impact and this is something that is built out of love and that is a that is a lot to be able to to translate without engaging communities themselves without engaging black and brown healthcare professionals who recognize and have the the lived experience and the historical context themselves who who may themselves have questioned but then revised uh, reviewed the data and realized that it was uh something that was good for them to recommend so i think that one thing that we need to we need to think about is how are we sending the message and what words are we using when we're sending the message so we've seen like in the past we've seen words like oh such and such we're going to target the black and brown communities and it's like that's not that's not appropriate language because that negative connotation will bring us back to thoughts of what actually happened when the black and brown communities were targeted yeah that use of the word target seems really fraught it's it, it's it's really inappropriate yeah. um and so instead, what we need to say is we know that the black and brown communities have been disproportionately impacted by COVID-19, and we want to make sure that you have access, equitable access to a vaccine that is going to help reduce this impact. And framing it in that way centers the the, the fact that they are um, uh, impacted, but it also centers them as needing this activity, this vaccine, uh, in order to be able to move on, move through this. I want to tease out a little bit about your use of the word we, the pronoun we. I feel like what I'm hearing from you is that it is it is truly the we. It's not physicians who are black who have a responsibility to go to the black community and do this teaching. That this is for all of us. That part of the privilege that comes with being on the front line and getting the vaccine early. Part of that then has a shared responsibility of educating using appropriate descriptive terms and appropriate levels of respect for previous history, regardless of whom you're speaking with. But most importantly, you don't get to opt out of talking about this in a respectful manner to bring people in just because they may or may not look like you. Yeah, absolutely. There's not enough of us. <laughs> There's only like, you know, a couple percent of us who are who are black and brown physicians. There's not enough of us to be able to do this job on our own. But there does need to be a centering of our voices, of the, of the black and brown voices who are in healthcare. So everybody needs to be involved in it. Where do you think, think the right place to center those voices is? Do you think it's TV? Is it podcasts? Is it social media? Is it all of the above? Is it one-on-one? -on -one? How do we prioritize this so that we can, again, move this along at a population level as the vaccine becomes more and more available? I think it's all of the above, um, and so like one of the things that I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how to how to coordinate um, well in my community is 
making sure that, you know, we have all of, we have the TV and the podcast and, and the social media and all that is great, but I think that is only impacting uh, or reaching a subset of the community. Yeah. And so I, I think it's really important for healthcare uh, professionals to be able to dive into the communities themselves and make, and in order to do that you have to make connections with the community leaders who are the people who are leading town halls in the community or who are uh, who have been like running for office from from the black and brown communities who uh, have local businesses whose voices are listened to and so connecting with them and being a resource to them and basically making it so that if you can reach out to them and 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 have that connection and help them to understand where how this vaccine is going to help the community then they are the trusted um the trusted individuals within the community that can help bring that message deeper and deeper into the community where you, whereas I may not necessarily be as known the community organizers that I would work with are and so if we can work together then we can reach more people it feels like so I'm a huge fan of coaching and we've talked about that on explore the space over time right we we take opportunities to learn from experts in a way where we can get better and do better I mean I've been coached in many things over the course of my life including how I practice medicine the opportunity that physicians and healthcare professionals are going to have when they interact with people in the office or in a telemedicine visit, this is going to be a really common discussion in the first half of next year or all of next year. Where are some of the places that you would like people to make sure that they hit on and some of the things to make sure that they really try to steer away from? Because we're going to get asked by probably most people that we're encountering in these visits. And if we're not asked by them, we should be asking. Have you thought about the COVID-19 vaccine? Where do you, how can we support you? What are the things you would like to make sure healthcare professionals get comfortable with asking and talking about and the things that they need to have the situational awareness of to not necessarily stay away from, but be vigilant of and know how to navigate? Yeah. So in terms of the things to understand how to navigate, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that healthcare professionals could potentially have that could be damaging is making an assumption that because, you know, there's the the data that's out there, surveys that have shown that very small numbers of people in black and brown community uh, are demonstrating that confidence in the vaccine right now, making an assumption that, well, just because somebody is black or Hispanic or, or Native American, that they're going to say no to a vaccine and not having that conversation with them or making an assumption about why they may say no without actually asking them questions. And so... I'll share with you a little uh, story about a conversation that I had with my folks just yesterday, actually. So I had let them know that I was going to be getting the vaccine today. And my dad sent me a message and he said, you know, he was really concerned because he'd been hearing a lot of rumors on you know, social media and whatnot. And so uh, I sat down with my dad and my mom on a video call and, and my eight-year-old who was really interested in the conversation. And we kind of just talked a lot about wh where the vaccine came from, where the, like how the technology was developed and, and why this wasn't overnight technology. 
that for the mRNA vaccine specifically, how this had been in the works. Uh, mRNA vaccine technology had been in the works for for years and uh, explained to them exactly how it works and how, for example, the vaccine does not interfere with DNA at all and how not just saying that it doesn't, but I actually sat down and showed them how it works and just taking the time to be able to explain that, which led to even more questions like, well, how, how are people going to get it? And why is it that they need to have two vaccines or two injections? And all of these things was a really informative conversation. And it's one I think that we need to be having with all of our patients. On the, on the one hand, it took like this conversation took like an hour, maybe. And so one might say, well, we don't have time to talk to our patients for an hour about vaccines every time. I would kind of push back and say, well, what if that was built in. What if, what if we developed, you know, you know, as we have looked to telehealth to try to have more conversations with our patients via different sorts of media, including even a telephone, what if we can book time to have those conversations proactively with our patients, all of our patients, to really make sure that they understand rather than relying on a, you know, a flyer here and there or a TV commercial or relying on maybe them learning and learning something through social media that may not be actually true. I love that you are saying that the tools that we've normally used to publicize and amplify things are not going to be effective and are not adequate. And I would add to that, that the stakes could have never been higher where, where, where we need this to work. We really do yeah. need this. We need that conversation that you had. And I love that it was this multi-generational thing with your, your kid and your <laughs> parent. Like that's, that is, that's the sort of thing too. That a lot we, of great questions. Oh my gosh. Like, like that's the sort of thing. a lot of great questions. I love it. And that's what I think would really resonate too, is this idea of like, we we're we're doing this as a community. We're in this together. Yeah. What is your sense of the comfort level to have this conversation in both directions, just that kind of broad take. Is there a sense of excitement, anticipation, anxiety, frustration? What sort of adjectives come up for you as you think about this and then think about the task ahead of doing a vaccination program at a population level? So for me, the, the, there's anticipation. I, I think it's an exciting opportunity to really be able to hear our patients. And when I when I approached that conversation with my with my dad, I started off not by talking. I asked him to tell me what concerns him, and he you know said a few things to me, and I listened, and then I said, "Well, what else concerns you?" And I kept asking, "What else concerns you?" Until he was like, "Okay, that those are my main concerns. There's nothing else." And then I started talking, and. It was really informative for me to really kind of to get a sense of where he was coming from and and what he was hearing, whether or not like because there are things that he was telling me about that he was saying as he was processing is like this can't be true and that can't be true. But he was saying those things to me, but it was confusing. And so listening and being able to understand where a person is coming from that excites me because then I can I can customize that conversation based on what is specifically concerning them rather than 
having just a blanket explanation of how XYZ works and expecting that to work for everyone. That may not, you know, if I talk about DNA or the fact that the vaccine does not mess with your DNA as my reason for why you should get the vaccine, somebody else that I'm, that's listening to me may not have that concern. They may be more concerned about the time that they have to take off from work. And so we need to customize that conversation to that. And I think that our, our healthcare professionals are are capable of having those conversations. I think they need to be empowered to have more of those conversations. And I think more healthcare professionals need to have them, not just physicians. We need to be able to empower anybody within the healthcare realm that that people can encounter, including our public health, our public health colleagues, our nurses, our social workers, our pharmacists, any any of these individuals who are capable of making making those connections with the community uh, community healthcare uh, framework and and explaining this information and sharing it at any point of care. I think that that is absolutely spot on because again, the it's a huge number of Americans that need to be vaccinated and to access them. And like you say, right, that appreciative inquiry of what concerns you and not going into it with preconceived notions or labels or this entire population thinks this way about it and therefore I shall address it thusly. If we're going to do this right, that we're going to need, you know, all of those numbers of people and and more. But I think that that is certainly the right place to start. What then is your sense, though, of some of the terminology, some of the descriptors that are emerging as the awareness of sensitivity to different demographics in the United States around the vaccine. Are you comfortable with the labeling that's being used? Are there things that we need to just be alert for as we say things, uh, you know, even in this in this podcast, talking about the black community in America and talking about the white community in America and vaccine hesitancy and anti-vaxxers and all of these terms that we have. Once we start affixing labels, they're going to carry their own weight. What is your sense of how we're doing with that. There's definitely work to be done. I think the the one that um, I cringe the most with is mistrust. Um, mm. the, the where it's it says that the you know the black community mistrusts healthcare and and that centers the the black community as the cause of any uh, problems. And I and I think that is that's incorrect and it's unfair to the black community because as we talked about earlier on, you know we're we're talking about centuries of structural racism that has happened over time and is continuing to happen today where the healthcare machine, the, the medical profession has not demonstrated itself to be trustworthy and trust is something that has to be earned. And so if in order for us to be able to move through this conversation, there really has to be an acknowledgement and an owning of the fact that in healthcare, we have not done a good job of taking care of people of color, right? We have not done a good job of taking care of black folks, of Hispanic folks, of uh, Native Americans. And we have to name that and own it and say, this is not that. This, this vaccine is what we need to be able to take care of this communities. And we need to recognize that our role in making things different has to be 
such that we acknowledge where we came from and the, the, the areas where we have betrayed their trust and work over time to regain that, but recognize that this is not something that is going to be just overturned in one, one weekend or with one great campaign. Suddenly, there's going to be this overflowing of trust. Even if you have black doctors and health professionals and, 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 and so forth at the forefront, it's still going to take time. And so avoiding things like labeling people as mistrusting when that points the finger at them instead of where it needs to be, I think that's a, a paradigm shift that really needs to happen in, in our thinking. That's extraordinarily helpful because that is the term that I think is starting to come up and the way you describe it as it's centering in the wrong place and in the wrong way is really, it's really impactful because we can put that word on and I do see it happening. I agree with you. And I think that we need that different level of sophistication and it's, it's, it's sort of like an awakening to, to so much and it's going to unroof a lot, right? This is going to be a significant rock flipping exercise as these conversations happen, but we just have to hopefully be able to keep our eyes on the goal, which is to, like you said earlier in the show, is to make sure that the populations in the United States have been so adversely affected by the COVID-19. Get this, you know, scientifically magic ticket that helpfully ushers us into a whole new era as we move into a new decade. Yeah. One other thing that I would say is that so I was on a I was on a community um, Facebook live about a week ago. And one of the questions that came up was a really it was an amazing question. We were talking about getting the vaccines into the communities. And one of the community leaders said, "Okay, that's great. But right now we're talking about these mRNA vaccines. And we we know that the rollout for the community may not happen widely for another couple of months. And by that time, will it still be this mRNA vaccines that we're talking about? It's likely, it's possible, we don't know, that there, there may be other vaccines that are in the mix. And so how can we explain to folks why there are why they may be getting a different vaccine from what folks got earlier on and getting ahead of that conversation and really trying to explain why we have so many that are in the pipeline what are the differences in vaccine uh, efficacy uh, based on the trials information that we have now and what we'll have in the future and does it mean that I'm getting a different, uh, how should I say, of a different level of protection than folks who got the mRNA vaccines earlier on. And I hadn't really thought about that. You know, we were just kind of talking about vaccines and we were all focused on mRNA vaccine. But really, the question, it's a good question of will that be the same vaccine that is going to be widely distributed in by April? I, I don't know. We hope. We hope, but, yeah. Well, here's but, the good thing, Jasmine, is that in April, 
you can come back on the show and, and help educate us some more because it's going to be confusing. And I think that I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because this is all happening fast and the yeah. ground will continue to shift beneath our feet. Things will feel very right. different, I think, as President-elect Biden takes office and what is being put forward by the transition, you know, by by his transitions team as that messaging takes takes effect. I think there's a lot of things that will change, but you have laid in some really fundamental things that feel really critical. And if I'm being totally honest, help me feel more elated than I did an hour ago before we started, because now there's some pragmatism associated with it. Now there's some sensitivity to what people next to me may be feeling and that it's totally different from me. It's just as valid and that we can work through it together because we all want to get out the other end of this. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely do. And we can. And, and I think the, the way that we move through this is by engaging the people that we want to help. And so we, we got to ask our communities, what are their questions? And then we have to answer their questions. And we have to be transparent about it and let them know uh, what it is that we're, what we are proposing and what we are hoping that they do and, and why. Um, but we have to be transparent. I am so grateful to you that you were transparent to come on today on the day that, as it turned out, we both got vaccinated. I, I just, it's wonderful. It, it, this is one of those episodes. I like to think that they're all evergreen, but this is one that definitely has a historical note to it. And I'm really glad that I got to share it with you and that you came on and, and shared your expertise and insights with us. It's a good day. It's a good day. There will be more to come and there will be some hard ones too. And I'm just so happy that you're part of the massive team of wonderful and brilliant people helping to improve this for so many. So thank you, Jasmine. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's definitely a good day, and I'm looking forward to many more good days to come in the future. My thanks once again to Dr. Marcellin for joining us for a truly extraordinary conversation. Thanks also to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Learn more about Creighton's Executive MBA and Executive Fellowship programs at www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E. As I said at the top, we are coming towards the end of 2020, and this is one of those key shows that we had laid in to help us reflect on where we've been this year, but also make ready for 2021. And having Dr. Marcellin join us to help do that on the day that she and I both got the first of our COVID-19 vaccinations felt really meaningful and really momentous. We will be back with two more episodes before year's end, so please stay tuned for those. And in the meantime, make sure to take care of yourselves, maintain physical distancing, wear your masks, avoid crowded indoor spaces, wash your hands, and we will see you soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com, and please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show, and you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.